That's a magic number. Three. It is. It's the magic number. Three. Somewhere in this hip-hop soul community. We're going three, they still believe, and that's a magic number. Difficult preaching is posthumous pleasure. Pleasure in preaching starts in the heart. Something that stimulates the music in a measure. Measure in the music raises three parts. Casually see, but don't do like the soul. Cause seeing and doing are actions for monkeys. Doing hip hop hustle, no rock and roll. Unless your name's Brewster, cause Brewster's a monkey. Parents let go, cause it's magic in the air. Criticizing rap, cause you're out of order. Stop looking, listen to the phrase in front of stairs. And don't get offended while Mace Dosi does your daughter. A dry camera roll system is now set. Fly around the store on the days of production. It stands for the inner sound. Welcome to the Atlanta Foot Clan Dynasty Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Seplick. You can find me on Twitter at the FF Goonie. On today's show, we have week two preview. And returning guest, the fantasy philosopher himself, had a Nambla, Brian Brodsky. Before we get into it, let's hit you with some. News from the League. So today in the League, we are going to start with a little bit of injury news. Now to catch up on last week, we did have some several major injuries over at the uh, tight end and receiver positions, most notably... Greg Olson of the Carolina Panthers and Delaney Walker of the Tennessee Titans both going down. Now, it sounds like Delaney Walker is out for the entire season, and Olson claims he's going to try to give it a few weeks before he comes back, but uh, it is the same foot that he did injure before, so I don't see him being effective if he does even return. So some big benefactors from that will be Johnny Smith of the Titans uh, looking for a role, someone I've talked up quite a bit this preseason, and uh, Ian Thomas. Uh, unfortunately, in the Dynasty League, I was trying to stash or wait on picking him up as a stash because everyone was kind of sleeping on him, and then Greg Olson had to go and get hurt and, com- and completely ruined that pickup for me. So way to go, Greggy. As a benefactor, I believe Clay picked him up for a $26 fab, which to me actually bolsters his uh, future outlook. It does hurt him in the immediate future because I don't think he's going to give you quite the returns that Greg Olson is capable of. He's still a uh, player in development. Some notable replacements that got scooped up for him or for them would be Austin Severian Jenkins went to Chris's team bye week. <laughs> And then the franchises decided to pick up Will Disley. Uh, He could maybe become a Jason Witten-esque player in the future, but I don't see that happening anytime soon. At the wide receiver position, uh, the only two real notable injuries of the last week were Marquise Goodwin and Deshaun Jackson. Uh, Goodwin suffered a thigh bruise, I believe. That's probably going to hinder him at least the next uh, week or two, and I believe he is out this week. So fire up your Austin Pettis there and Pierre Garçon. As far as Deshaun Jackson, after a monster performance, I don't think anyone is rostering him still in the Dynasty League, but uh, he is in the concussion protocol. But he does have a chance to come back. Uh, the only other one was Devontae Adams. 
Now, Devontae Adams uh, will probably play, but be a little limited. And for a receiver that relies a little more on strength and technique, uh, he's going to have a hard time with that Minnesota secondary this week. Moving on to the running back position, uh, we had some uh, late notable injuries. Uh, today, news came across that Joe Mixon is scheduled to have a cleanup surgery for his knee. Now, I believe that uh, Joe Mixon is, or I'm sorry, Gio Bernard is definitely owned in the Dynasty League, but I know for a fact that Gio is available in the Keeper League as I dropped him for Brandon Marshall this past week. So uh, we'll see what the frenzy happens with uh, bidding on him, how much he goes. Joe Mixon is expected to return, and it's not going to be some season-long injury. Uh, Rex Burkhead popped up on the concussion protocol. Uh, they're saying a hit that he sustained during the game, but no one really knew about. Uh, he is drawing the questionable tag, but between him and Sony Michelle, um, they're both questionable, may play, but I don't want to touch either of them. I say fire up your James Whites against that tough, tough Jacksonville defense. And finally, a... Uh, now, recent scratch for yours truly on the Dynasty League, Deontay Foreman, uh, or Devontae Foreman, sorry. He, uh, he looks, he's already been ruled out, and he looks like he's probably going to take two to three weeks off, so that hurts it short term, and people like uh, Old Frenchie that traded for Tevin Coleman before this happened seems to benefit. Oh, wait, what's that? He's playing against me, so no surprise there that Frenchie managed to get a backup and a starting role in his lineup against yours truly. Uh, other than that, we got David Johnson. He was nursing a back injury. I think this is going to be a less nagging version of Marshawn Lynch when he was dealing with it, but we're going to probably hear about back problems all throughout the year. Man, I really hope you uh, rostered Chase Edmonds. Oh, wait, no, you didn't because I did. Available for trade. And finally, at the running back position, it looks like uh, old Marlon Mack got a full week of work in, so we can expect him to come in and disappoint. Uh, I really wasn't a big believer in Mack. I know that his competition's not the greatest. I kind of took the shot on Jordan Wilkins. But it's just one of those, uh, no one's going to be useful until they just finally decide to go with one person. Oh, I apologize. We also had one more. I can't believe I almost missed it. Leonard Fournette draws a major questionable tag. He has not practiced now any of the days, and I believe that TJ Yeldon is going to play. I'm also of the belief that if Fournette happens to be healthy, I think Yeldon is still the back to start. Only problem is if they're both active, that's going to muddle things a little bit. But you can put me down for a surefire TJ Yeldon outscoring him. And moving on to quarterback, only uh, two real major injuries to talk about uh, since we know Ben Roethlisberger is going to play and I'm not really worried about him. The two are Aaron Rodgers, who still hasn't practiced, but we all know Aaron Rodgers does not need to practice to play. Uh, he is going to be a high-risk, high-reward play, but if you drafted him in the Dynasty League, unless you went nuts like Brian on quarterback, 
you're probably kind of stuck with rolling with him. Uh, personally, I'm a lean towards benching him. Uh, play, I definitely wouldn't want him in a single QB league right now because although it is hard to bench him, I probably would have to try to roster a second quarterback. Uh, that Minnesota Vikings defense has always just given him a real fit, and he is hobbling. So the only beneficiary of this is probably a exposed workload to Randall Cobb, since uh, it's been pretty well noted that Cobb does most of his damage when Rodgers out the shotgun, and if he plays, Rodgers will be playing almost exclusively from the shotgun. Uh, the only other quarterback in my saving grace is possibility of Marcus Mariota. Oh, wait, that's third string. So Marcus Mariota is dealing with an elbow issue. I doubt he's going to be in Axel's lineup anyways, as he has Cam and Jimmy Handsome. But uh, this may turn into a benefit for the Houston Texans D. So if you own him like me, fire him up. And they're probably going to be my number one used DFS defense this week because there's a good chance that Mariota will split time with Gabbert or not play at all. And if he does play, I expect him to be injured again. So I'm firing up with that Houston Texans D. So as I alluded, the uh, trade for Tevin Coleman happened. Uh, Chris, team bye week, actually sent Tevin Coleman and the benefit Johnny Smith over to the franchises for Frank Gore, and Tariq Cohen. So this is pretty much a Tariq Cohen only trade for him. And I'm going to value Tevin Coleman as being the higher asset, even though it's pretty well known. I don't think that Jordan Howard entirely fit for the type of offense they want to run. And Tariq should be used quite a bit. But he is proven the first game that that might take a little while. And I don't know the details of what uh, draft pick was traded, but I hope it was a good one because I think otherwise the, uh, the Frenchies is definitely one out on this one. Uh, Team Bi-Week also traded away TJ Yeldon for tight end of injury so far, Hayden Hurst. Now, the overall outlook on Hayden Hurst is pretty good, except for his age. But uh, he's still going to get quite a few years, and that offense does utilize the tight end. As far as TJ Yeldon, I'm of the belief that after this year, if he wants, I think he's a free agent. If not, it's the following year, and he's going to try to seek other work because he views himself as more of a starter than Fournette's bitch. So uh, throwing this one away, man, he's just giving away all these uh, free plays this week. I mean, obviously it's a dynasty league and you don't have to worry about that, but uh, definitely uh, an even trade. I'm not sure what the picks involved were, but uh, definitely see that as an even trade. Uh, the other trade that occurred is between, wow, big surprise, I've got a feeling, woohoo, and fear the juice. Now, Thielen finally dumped off Henry after securing him for Dante Pettis, and I believe that there was a couple of draft picks that moved around in Thielen's favor, correct me if I'm wrong, but if that was the case, I super love this pick or this trade for him. Uh, I'm not a big believer in Derrick Henry. I think that even if he does offer some short-term value, he is not long for the team as he is a one-trick pony. 
And Dante Pettis showed that his route running is key, and that's big for a smaller, thinner wide receiver. And I think between that and Shanahan's offense, he is going to do some good work with that route running. So I think you definitely won this one. Uh, it's going to be brutal. So uh, let's uh, have a little bit of condolences for Fear the Juice and that horrible, horrible move. What? What an idiot! Oh, what a loser! Good! Good! More for me and you. So with that, let's get into Week 2 Preview. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like, uh... Your opinion, man. So we're going to go ahead and start off with the Keeper League. Uh, first matchup, we have Popeye's Sailorman versus The Great One. Uh, starting off, we have quarterbacks Drew Brees in Cleveland versus Tom Brady at Jacksonville. I'm going to give this one a clear-cut Drew Brees. There is a scenario where their defense actually plays decent. But I think he's going to have his way with them, with them, and he's looking at at least 270 yards and two touchdowns, uh, possibly a third there. Old Tom Brady, I think he's actually going to struggle a bit in Jacksonville, and uh, they're going to give him quite a fit, so I give the advantage to Breeze. Uh, next up, we have running backs James White versus Joe Mixon. Now... This recording is happening on Friday afternoon after the Thursday games ran, but I'm going to go ahead and give you, like I said uh, in the last episode, the rundown of how I thought the game was going to go and how it did go. So uh, I actually viewed James White as slightly behind Joe Mixon this week. I think that with Rex Burkhead possibly missing, if not at least being banged up, and Sonia Michelle. In his first game action, if he actually plays, I think that James White is going to be leaned on heavily, and he's going to see somewhere in the range of 8 to 10 targets minimum, and probably catch at least 6 balls. And I saw Baltimore's defense a little better than uh, they performed last night, but the run game still uh, performed as well. But basically, I had Joe mixing down for a 10 to... 12 point range I actually thought he was going to come back down to earth and he ended up at 9.2 so although I would give Joe Mixon the slight edge originally uh looks like he ended up around where James White's going to be but all things considered I would have given Joe Mixon the uh slight edge in that 10 to 12 range on points next up we have Todd Gurley Against Arizona versus Ezekiel Elliott of the Giants. Powerhouse backs colliding. Uh, this one, although is pretty even, I'm going to have to go with just the overall better offense with Todd Gurley. Um, I think that Arizona's defense is going to rebound a little bit. Especially playing a divisional opponent, they're going to play a little bit better but you just can't stop all the weapons there, and I think Gurley ends up breaking through for a monster game. Uh, Zeke generally plays very well against the Giants, and I don't see that 
changing anytime soon. And I think that this offense is actually going to get a little more on track. So I lean too girly, obviously, but it's closer than you would think. Uh, next up, we have Adam Thielen at Green Bay versus Pierre Garçon in Detroit, or at home against Detroit. Um, this one originally was a no-brainer, giving it to Thielen, even though I think that Green Bay uh, offense, or defense, sorry, secondary is pretty good. But uh, Pierre Garçon with uh, Marquise Goodwin out is in for an increased workload. But at the same time, him and Dante Pettis are going to probably split getting coverage from uh, Derry Slay. So that's going to be some tough sledding against Slay. <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to give the advantage to Adam Thielen. Uh, although Garcon's going to probably put in some work half the time he is going to go against Slay. And I think that if Rodgers plays, they'll put up enough points and keep the pressure on the passing game that Thielen's going to probably put in the range of 12 to around 10 to 14 point range in there. So advantage Thielen. Next up, we got Robert Woods and Arizona versus Josh Gordon at New Orleans. This is a tough one. Now, Gordon is a man amongst boys. And uh, I think that Air that New Orleans is in line to uh, to get to get back to form a little bit, but they're still going to struggle on defense a little bit. And at times, Marshawn Marshawn Lattimore has struggled with some good players. So uh, although I do like Woods, there's just too many mouths to feed in this conservative uh, pass offense, so I'm going to have to actually lean Josh Gordon advantage. I'm going to go with the upside play. At the tight end position, we got Trey Boo Boo versus Zeus himself. Travis Kelsey. Now, Trey Burton's got a pretty good matchup in Seattle, although I think that their linebacking core is still pretty decent. And Travis Kelsey's in line for a bounce-back performance in what is going to be a super high-scoring game. With that, though, although they are missing Shazier, Pittsburgh generally plays the tight end pretty well, but I'm going to have to go chalk on this and give the advantage Travis Kelsey. I think that Pittsburgh is going to go in with a plan to try to limit Patty Jack Mahomes, and uh, I think they're going to try to contain Tyreek Hill as much as they can. So I think Kelsey and Hunt are going to be the big beneficiaries. Now, as of right now, slated in the slots of flex is Marquise not going to play Goodwin versus Leonard for not going to play either, probably. So... So let's go through the bench and see. Uh, we have the options of Marshawn Lynch, Sony Michelle, Ty Montgomery, Will Fuller, and Mike Williams at that replacement for Marquise Goodwin. I'm going to go out of limb and say the most likely duo would be either Will Fuller coming back from injury or Mike Williams, and I'm going to land on Mike Williams is probably the probability. So I like Williams in this game. I think that they're not going to overextend their starters once they get a sizable lead. And I think he falls in the in-between where he's going to run with the starters, but at the same time he could be in there for extended work being his 
sort of rookie season. Um, over on the other side, we got Jordy Nelson, George Kittle, Josh Doxson, and Kenny Galladay. Now, Kittle would be the surprise upside play as he would benefit quite a bit from uh, Marquise Goodwin. And that would be kind of bold going double tight end. Uh, I don't see him trusting Josh Doxson, even though Indy's got a weak defense. And Kenny Galladay in that San Francisco-Detroit game is a really high upside play. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb and guess he's probably going to go with Galladay for the upside rather than Kittle for the safety. So uh, I think Galladay is going to have a fine game, but I think he's going to come back down to earth. I think last year we saw this where he had a massive week one and then he got injured. And although I'm not calling for a Galladay injury, I don't think every game is going to be him leading the team in targets or yards until it gets out of hand and then they finally use Tate. So uh, I'm expecting more from Marvin Jones this game as well. But Galladay is a fine play between him and Mike Williams. I call it a wash, actually, with Mike Williams as probably the more likely to get a touchdown. Uh, As far as defense, talk about another uh, struggle to decide. We got the Chargers at Buffalo versus Philly at Tampa Bay. Now... Philly uh, is probably going to outscore the Chargers just because I think Tampa Bay is not as good as they played last week, and that Philly D D is nasty. Uh, Chargers are going to get some work. They're going to get some sacks and turnovers. Um, If they get a touchdown, then clearly it's them that comes out on top, but I I think their pass rush suffers without Bosa enough. And I think Allen's probably going to have plenty of big plays and big runs to mix in with all the bad. Uh, So I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say that I'd take Philly slight edge over the Chargers. I don't care about kickers, but since Justin Tucker uh, got a 7, let's just say Mason Crosby's probably going to get a 7-2 and call it a wash. Uh, I also noticed on the bench that he's got Philip Rivers, the great one, and he may be shying off a TB12 because that Buffalo Rivers matchup, I'm pretty sure most of us would probably just lean that way since he has the option. And uh, I'm going to just assume he puts him in there, which actually closes the gap at quarterback. I think that either way, though, Breeze is a better play than Rivers or Brady. Uh, I think White was about as even a play as Mixon, maybe slightly under, but I think Gurley makes up for that over Zeke. Uh, I do like Thielen more than Garcon and Gordon on that upside more than Woods. I think that he has enough safety that the Gordon plays real strong. Um, Although I think Kelsey's going to be better, I think Burton's going to get more involved. So advantage Kelsey on that. A slight advantage to the D, but there is a safety issue where, you know what, honestly, I think the floor is better for Philly, too. I think that they are more capable of keeping the game in check than the Chargers are because they've been known to just drop crap. And with the assumption that it's Williams uh, versus Galladay or Kittle, I'm going to go on the edge of a wash. But I do like the quarterback, the running backs, and the initial receivers a little better. So I'm going to lean either way, whether Mixon had put up 20 points or not, with Popeye, the Sailor Men's team, for the win.
Next up, we have Soccer Club Honkers. <laughs> Versus Finkel is Einhorn. At quarterback, we got Cameron Fig Newtons versus Maddie Snapback. Now, both these uh, quarterbacks have tons of high upside, decent floors. Um, that's going to be a tough one. Cam is traveling to Atlanta in the dome, but he is going against a Neil and uh, I forget the linebacker, but a linebackerless uh, Atlanta team. And without a hobbled Greg Olson there, I think there's a little more clarity for targets and plays. And I think that actually suits them a little better. But uh, Stafford at San Francisco is going to be quite the shootout. And I imagine that the Georgia product himself is going to have a uh, career game. I'm not saying like his best game, but he's going to have quite a good game. Uh, all those weapons are healthy. I think it's going to be quite a shootout. That defense is not scaring me, whereas Atlanta's is prone to making some plays, and Cam's not exactly the best passer. Uh, I think Cam will put up some uh, running yards, get some good dump-offs to CMC himself. Uh, but I'm going to call this one a wash. I think that the uh, quarterbacks are pretty even. Next up, we got Melvin Gordon at Buffalo versus JJ in Tampa Bay. Now, on paper, this was a clear-cut uh, Melvin Gordon at first glance. Buffalo's weak against the run. They gave up three rushing touchdowns. And I don't view, unless the game gets crazy out of hand early, Eckler having a ton of work like he did last year, uh, week. I think it's going to come a little bit down to earth. Uh, and I can see them running the, the clock out quite a bit on this team, just trying to control the game. Uh, but Darren Sproles being out, ruled out for uh, Philly, and their defense being leaned on because Foles, I think Ajayi could actually have quite a good game. I'm still going to give the advantage to Melvin Gordon, but I don't think the gap is quite as big as we thought. Uh, next up, we have Alan, Alex Collins versus Derek Henry. Uh, as of right now, that's tentative. Uh, he does have Tevin Coleman. And I would expect Tevin Coleman to come in for either Cohen or Henry. Not sure which one. Uh, but we're just going to assume that Henry's in the game. Uh, Alex Collins had Cincinnati and put up 10.5 points. That's kind of where I had him at. I think he uh, probably underperformed a little bit for where I thought he would. Uh, maybe in that like 12 range. Kind of where I thought Joe Mixon would end up. So... Relatively close to what I thought he was going to put up. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, is going to get eat up and not be used much in that Houston game, from my opinion. I think this is another big Deion Lewis game. And if Coleman gets subbed in there, that's still going to be a little bit of a rough game. Uh, although Carolina's defense is uh, very susceptible, it's in the pass. Uh, they still got Luke Keekley, Star, uh, Tulule, or whatever his name is. I think that their run defense is quite good, and the only thing that's going to save him is his pass-catching ability. I think Coleman's probably slated for about 15 points because I do see him getting use and in the red zone and getting a touchdown because they just 
They tried to overfeed Julio at the end of that game, and I think they're going to overcorrect again and get away from him. So I actually give the advantage to Tevin Coleman over Collins, and Henry, I give the disadvantage. Uh, next up, we got Keenan Allen versus Mike Evans. This is a clear-cut Keenan Allen, although Evans went full ham and eggs, full green eggs and ham. Uh, I don't see him doing it against Phillies D two weeks in a row. So, advantage Keenan Allen in that weak Buffalo secondary. Next up, we have Emmanuel Sanders versus Cooper Cup. I lean Emmanuel Sanders on this advantage just because Oakland is so god-awful and there's less of a timeshare between three receivers. Although, Cortland Sutton is going to get his a little bit and he muddles the waters. He does not muddle them for Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not really sure what Arizona is planning on doing. I know Brandon Cook's getting entered into the mix. Patrick Peterson is likely to shadow him. But the fact is, Cooper Cup did some damage last year against this team, and they might actually view him as the worst threat, especially in the red zone. So this could be a scenario where Patrick Peterson gets uh, Brandon Cooks in the 20s, and in the red zone, covers Cooper Cup. So I'm going to give the advantage to Manny Sanders on that. Um, although I think Ricky Seals-Jones has a chance for a, back, uh, a bounce back as the Rams will be least worried about him. I think Bradford is going to get hurt this game. I think he's going to be running for his life. And there's no chance he competes with Zachers in Tampa Bay. So advantage Ertz. Next up in the flex, we got... Old TJ Yeldon in New England going up against Tariq Cohen. Now, if Tariq Cohen remains in there, I could see him getting some decent work in Seattle. It's going to be what will Russell Wilson do? Because if this is a shootout and he can overcome that Bears defense, I could see Cohen getting some decent work and uh, being a fantasy factor. If not, it's going to be a little rough going. But if Coleman goes in for him, I think Coleman's a little safer and uh, offers the same kind of upside. I mean, Cohen could really take over a game. Cohen uh, doesn't have that safe floor, though. He can really disappear. Yeldon, I think, is a really strong play. I actually like him better than Coleman or Cohen, so I give the advantage. Yeldon, I think that New England's going to struggle with uh, having to cover three different receivers, and I don't think they're going to really worry much about getting Yeldon out of the game. So this is going to be one of those, uh, they're really going to put pressure on Bortles, and I can see Yeldon catching quite a few passes and still putting off, popping off some decent runs for some good yardage. And quite honestly, I view uh, this as an upset, and I'm actually going to take Jacksonville for the win, so... That plays into why I like Yeldon so much. Coming over to the defensive side, I do not like either of these defenses this week. Although Chicago is quite improved, Wilson's going to get his. And I don't think that uh, Washington is nearly as good as they played last week either. So I'm going to give the advantage to Chicago. Although I think that Washington has the same capability of turnovers because I think Luck will be a little more reckless than Wilson, but 
Chicago's a better defense, but uh, I think it's special teams that really win out. They have a better chance of a return touchdown, and I'm just going to give it to the skill set of Chicago, although it is a slight win for them. Uh, Kickers, as always, don't matter, so with that, for my pick, I'm... Gosh, I'm having a hard time with this one, actually. Oh, I'm going to go with the soccer club honkers. Uh, I think Cam Newton's got a big game in him, even though Stafford does. I think Newton does have a little bit higher ceiling with that run floor. Uh, although I think Ajay is going to do some work. Gordon is obviously the pick. I see Coleman coming in as the RB2, whether it's replacing Henry or Cohen. But it's the receiving core that really separates it. Um, Keaton Allen, Emmanuel Sanders is just way greater than Evans and Cup this week to me. <sighs> I mean, honestly, I, I would love to make this push. As I look at it, I still think maybe Finkel. Um, yeah, I'm going to stick with Honkers for now, but I reserve the right to change my mind before Sunday by messaging the league if I need to. Next up, we have the Battle of the Menaces to Society as Team Nambla Megalodons takes on Scranton Stranglers. First up, we have a quarterback, the old strangling man of Alex Smith himself, putting the hold on his receivers versus Deshaun Watson, young buck himself. Um, I'm going to give the advantage to Alex Smith, although I think Deshaun Watson has a higher ceiling. His floor is lower, and I'd rather have those safe points Alex Smith, even though he's probably not going to target any of his receivers. Uh, second up, we got running back Kareem Hunt in Pittsburgh versus David Johnson. This is actually a lot tougher than you would think. Think. Uh, although David Johnson's going to get quite a bit of pass work, I'm going to lean on that Rams defense, and I'm going to go with the high-scoring narrative of Hunt. I think that he has a monster game, and I think he outperforms David Johnson. Next up, we got Lamar Miller versus Shady McCoy. Now, Lamar is not our favorite, but he's a serviceable running back, and in Tennessee, I think he's going to do decently well, but I've been a big, big proponent of Shady's going to have a bounce-back game. I don't think it's going to be that big a bounce-back, but I'm going to give the slight edge to Shady, getting it done through the air. Next up, we got powerhouse battle of Julio Jones versus Odell Beckham Jr. Now, both these teams have scorched their divisional opponents that they're facing today. Julio is going up against Carolina, who he has before dropped like 5,000 yards on in one game, and OBJ has torched Dallas in the past. I think that Julio has a little less weapons to be combating against as far as established, and OBJ is going in there with a, a plethora of players. But, ooh, I think I'm going to go with Julio advantage just because Caroline is going to put up some points, whereas I think Dallas is going to try to slow down the game and struggle a little bit. So I'm going to go advantage Julio, but not by much. Next up, we got Michael Thomas versus Allen Robinson. No uh, 
No surprise, we're going to lean Michael Thomas versus Cleveland at home over Allen Robinson against Seattle. Next up, we got Kyle one catch for a touchdown Rudolph versus Jordan Reed. Clear-cut advantage, Jordan Reed. I think he's going up against a worse defense in a game that is going to be higher scoring and a little more competitive, and he is the number one target where Rudolph is number four in the pecking order of passing. So advantage Reed with, uh, without a doubt. Next up in the flex, we got Royce Freeman versus 7-Eleven himself, Chris Hogan. Now, he may actually decide to sit. He may actually decide to sit Hogan on this one going up against Jacksonville and lean towards Powell or Lockett. Uh, but either way, I think this is a bounce back game for Freeman, and I'm going to put the advantage to Freeman over either of those two. Um, it's just one of those, I think he is going to get his, uh, I think they're going to have the game well in hand and they're going to try to get the rookie, uh, a little more going at it. So, uh, next up we got the defenses, Houston versus the Rams. Now, although the Rams are going to go bananas, Houston's no slouch, especially after what I said with Mariota being injured. So I think this is actually a pretty even-washed game because although Tennessee has a... or Houston doesn't have quite as good a defense as the Rams, I think that Arizona, there is a world where Johnson gets enough work, and he does enough that it hurts the Rams' score a little bit, so... I'm going to call this one a wash, although I think there is definitely a little more upside for the Rams as they're just going to destroy Sam Bradford. So I think this is a pretty uh, decision for me and no surprise with the safer quarterback. And although I think their top running back is going to lose out on the struggle, he has pretty much the advantage at the every position other than that, other than the flex. So Scranton Strangler is going to choke that uh, young boy lover out for the win. Next, we have Unger en France versus Turn Your Head and Coughlin. Now, as you heard in the title of the show, three is the magic number. And A.J. Green showed us that by scoring three touchdowns for 27.4 points. So this is already an uphill battle for Turn Your Head and Coughlin. But starting off at the QB position, we have Patty Mahomes. Patrick Stallone Mahomes himself. Going up in that high-scoring Pittsburgh game versus Kirk Cousins. Now, if Aaron Rodgers manages to be decently healthy, Cousins could go off. But I see this more as an advantage for Mahomes. I don't think he's going to be quite as efficient as he was last week, but I think that this high-scoring affair is going to force him to let it loose quite a bit, and I'm going to put him in for the advantage over Cousins. Next up, Jordan Howard versus Alvin Kamara. I think anyone's a fool that goes against Kamara in this one. He is definitely going to outscore Howard, but I don't think Howard is any bit of slouch. Uh, in fact, let's actually substitute and say that James Conner. There we go. That's a little more even. Um, advantage there is still Kamara. Conner, I think that was about as good as he gets. 
and Camaro was still much better with uh, far fewer touches, and I don't see this being any different. At the RB2, we'll have Jordan Howard versus Dalvin Cook. Now, this one is going to be a little bit closer. I think Howard has the advantage of usage, but I think this is where Cook kind of redeems himself a little bit. And I could see this being pretty even. Um, yeah, I'm going to call this square pretty even. No advantage of either one. Now, initially, I would have told you A.J. Green is the advantage over Adams, because although Adams has the capability of blowing up even against a good corner, I don't think he's that good, and a hobbled Rodgers really hurts him. So there was clearly going to be A.J. Green without Jimmy Smith covering him. But then he exceeded expectations. I thought Green would be in the range of like 15 points to 18 points. And he dropped an extra 10. So already exceeding expectations there. But we're going to try to keep in mind that I thought he was going to be a 15 to 18 point play. Uh, the receiver position we have Dante Pettis versus Stefan Diggs. Uh, man, as much as I want to call this even, I think Pettis is going to see Slay some, and Diggs is just too good, and he's going to go full ham on Green Bay. So advantage Diggs. But that's okay, because you have Rob Gronkowski. Even though he's against Jacksonville, I think a fool would think that he is going to be worse than Ben Watson. Now, am I saying that's not going to happen? No, that's in the realm of possibilities, but... It's not the likely scenario, and we're not going to bet on it. There's just too many other pieces in Cleveland. And honestly, if Watson does well, I think Kamara suffers. So advantage Gronk, obviously. Uh, although if he does see Jalen Ramsey all game, just like the playoffs, it could be a rough go of it. At the flex position, we got Brandon Cooks versus Carlos Hyde. Now, this one is a little interesting to me because Axel has chosen to bench Larry Fitz and Crowell against that Miami defense and Ted Ginn against Cleveland. All higher upside plays to me, but I think, I think Hyde has a safer... No, I take it back. Hyde has a higher upside probably than most of them, but his floor is definitely that game getting completely out of hand and it being Duke Johnson's game. So, uh, but I don't like Cooks. I don't ever like Cooks. And honestly, against that Arizona defense, he's probably going to see a lot of Patrick Peterson. So I'll give the advantage to Carlos Hyde, but barely. Uh, defense, got to give the advantage to Denver, although I think Minnesota is actually going to surprise and play very well against Green Bay. Uh, you got to you gotta give it up to Denver against that putrid Oakland offense. Um, until we see something otherwise, Oakland against good defenses is going to mean fantasy points. Kickers don't matter, so with that, let's take a look. So with the advantage at quarterback and receiver, eh, that the wife called and was asking what I wanted for dinner. So as I was saying, at the advantage of quarterback, receiver, and uh, tight end in defense, although you got Kamara and you got Diggs and you got Cook, I I still leaned. Uh, Frenchie for the win prior to A.J. Green going ham and 
after it, I don't I don't see how it doesn't happen. I think that Kamara is better than Connor, but not by a ton. I think Cook is better than Howard, but not by a ton. And I just don't see Adams doing much. I don't see Watson doing much, and I don't see Cooks doing much. So, and uh, Patty Mahomes. So, Frenchie for the win. Next up, we got Carpe Victoria versus Hot Noonan Butchers. Now, we got two quarterbacks going head-to-head in a uh, battle of the high-scoring opposing games. So, Ben Roethlisberger seeing Kansas City at home and should be the number one quarterback of the week. And Jimmy Garoppolo is seeing Detroit at home, and I have him slated as the number six quarterback this week. Uh, both going to be high-scoring affairs, and I see the win going to Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, next up, we got Chris Thompson versus Duke Johnson Jr. Now, although there's a narrative I see where Nola gets his game out of hand and Duke Johnson has to be involved, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, him and Tyrod just aren't on the same page, and they're not utilizing him that way. So advantage Chris Thompson, even though he has the limited workload, until proven otherwise, him and Jordan Reed are the only positional uh, players that I want to touch. Uh, so with that late-breaking news, Sproles is going to be out. Uh, Carpe Victoria has Kenyon Drake, and it looks like he that Butchers is going to have to lean on Booker or a waiver wire ad. So, or Doug Martin, or a waiver wire ad. So, he may add a waiver wire. We won't know. But either way, advantage Kenyon Drake. I think he's going to dominate touches and not split the work as much with, uh, with Frank Gore. And although that Jets front is pretty nasty, I see him out scoring anyone he picks up on waivers minus a miracle play. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be the clear-cut advantage over Demarius Thomas, although I think Demarius Thomas is a fine play. And Golden Tate is the advantage over Crabtree. Now, Crabtree ended up doing about what I thought he would do in the 50-60 to 60 yard range, depending on the number of catches. So I was spot-on on what I was thinking, and I think Tate is going to do a little bit better and has a far better chance for a touchdown. So I see Tate in the range of about... Nine catches for 85 yards and uh, probably like 0.7, now nah, 0.6 chance at uh, touchdown. Six, yeah. So um, Tate's obviously going to be in a high-scoring matchup, so a better play. Next up, we got Evan Ingram versus Jared Cook. Although I think Evan Ingram's going to actually have a decent game in Dallas. I'm going to ride the wave one more week with Denver. They have not been good against the tight end, and honestly, I think that's the only person that is going to do well for Oakland. So, slight advantage for Jared Cook. Uh, next up in the flex position, we got Randall Cobb versus Juju Smith-Schuster. Now, there is a chance that Devin Funchess gets uh, slid in there. But either way, I think uh, they're going to do about the same amount of work for in different ways. Uh, 
If Rodgers plays, Cobb's going to get a ton of catches for minimal yardage just because that defense is stifling, but he will be the only one that does decent out of the receivers minus a broken big play. And Schuster is the clear winner either way. He is going to eat in that just massive game. But everything Schuster does well, so does Big Ben. And Seattle versus Jacksonville. Although I think Chicago is not the greatest, I think that Seattle defense is terrible. And since I'm calling for Jacksonville's win, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Jacksonville advantage, but not by a ton. So with that, I don't think it's any surprise we're gonna pick a, a Carpe Victoria for the win. Uh, just overall, too many advantages, and the fact that we don't even know if. You're going to get any points out of your second RB. I think it's a pretty simple uh, pick. The only way it works is if Schuster's the only player on Pittsburgh that goes nuts and Duke Johnson and Hopkins have massive games. So write me up a victory for Carpe Victoria. And now for, as always, the matchup of the week, we have Macho Man. Fred Sherry versus Brown and some Scrubs. Now, first off, we got Matt Ryan in Carolina ver- er, versus Carolina against Andrew Luck at Washington. Advantage, Andrew Luck. Not by much, but I don't see them doing anything in the run game and it going to be a competitive, no defense kind of affair. So give me a little bit of Andrew Luck over Matt Ryan after that last performance. I think Julio's going to do well. I think the team's actually going to be fine. He'll do okay. But I, I just don't see it otherwise. Uh, next up, we got Christian McCaffrey versus Saquon Barkley. And although I love CMC this week, especially with the, uh, the weakened defense at safety and linebacker for Atlanta, I'm going to have to give advantage to Saquon just because the workload. Uh, He's going to get more carries. He is going to get more chances near the goal line. But Christian McCaffrey could actually surprise and beat it. So it's not out of the realm of possibility, but give me that Saquon Barkley. Next up, we got Adrian Peterson versus Matt Breda. Uh, There is a chance I could have slid in Chris Carson here. Uh, still thinking about it, but I probably won't. That Chicago D is tough, and Breda is going to be in a positive game script, potentially to keep Alf off the field enough to do some damage. But no matter who I slide in, I might give the advantage Adrian Peterson. This will be the last week that I would feel comfortable starting him without great hesitation, so light him up. He's going to do some work. Uh, although I got T.Y. Hilton in Washington poised to have a big game, he'll be no match for Antonio Brown. So, clear-cut win for Antonio Brown there, even though I think they both do very well. Uh, the next one's a little tougher. Tyreek Hill is clearly the better player play over Jarvis Landry. Uh, better matchup. More explosive, but Landry is more involved as far as a volume. And because the offense is going to be 
uh, putting up points against him. I could see his heavy usage, especially with Lattimore probably on Josh Gordon. So this one's a lot closer than I think, especially with Pittsburgh probably trying to game plan for Tyreek as much as they can. Uh, I really want to call this a wash, but I'm still going to give the advantage to Tyreek Hill. Um, Eifert did slightly worse than I was hoping for with 3.3 points, but I actually had him around 5 this week. I think his schedule gets a little better moving forward, but it just wasn't a good week. But I kind of had to ride it out because the rest of the waivers were pretty trashy. But I'm not worried about it because I don't see Jimmy Graham doing much more. I only slated him for about four to five points as well. So advantage Jimmy Graham right now, but they were even in my mind. Now moving on, we got Marvin Jones versus Amari Cooper. Now there is a chance that he slides Amari out because he's afraid of that uh, Denver defense. But Amari has actually shown flashes against good defenses here and there. And I think the Raiders will actually try to force it to him more than they did. It's just a matter of if Carr actually does that. Uh, he's got quite a few options with Lewis, Mack, Aguilar, and Beasley that could slide in. As well as Martavis Bryan, although I don't see why you would play Bryan over Cooper. Uh, either way, though, any of those options give me, with the exception of Aguilar ceiling. Uh, competing, give me Marvin Jones. I know Marvin Jones had a bad game. This is going to be a high-scoring affair. I think that him and Stafford are going to get on the same page and connect for a long touchdown. So I give the advantage and the flex to him, or to me. Uh, next up, Baltimore versus Carolina. I saw this as a pretty even matchup. I think that Andy Dalton's a little worse than Matt Ryan. But the Bengals played well last week, and Baltimore is hurt in the defense. Now, that's how I saw it going in. Clearly, it didn't work out that way. And instead of the five to six points I thought I was going to get, it ended up being negative one. So I think originally I was going to slate Carolina and Baltimore is even around five, six points. But clearly, Carolina should outplay Baltimore. I'm hoping I'm a little wrong. I'm hoping Atlanta goes super ham on them full honey baked and gives him at least only one to three points but we'll see how that works out kickers of course doesn't matter but with that it's pretty clear we're gonna have to give the advantage to brown and some scrubs now this is actually prior to the poor performances i had i was still gonna pick myself to lose although i think barkley is better than mccaffrey it's close and he has the clear advantage with Peterson, Brown, Hill. And although my second receiver should do work over his, I never expected him to play him. And I think that he'll do enough in the flex that it'll make it, it, it'll make it irrelevant. And I give Brown and Scrubs my, uh, the win for my second loss. And that puts the watch of... Uh, if I can get two wins in the first four weeks prior to marking from getting back to a probability of I don't think so. So running it back, we got Popeye Sailorman, SC Honkers, Grant and Stranglers, Frenchie's team, Carpe Victoria, and Brown and some scrubs for the wins. We're going to go ahead and take a short break, and when we get back, 
Dynasty Week 2 matchups. Fantasy Musings with me, Brian, the Fantasy Philosopher. When describing Dewey's naturalistic metaphysics, Gaffigan wrote that for Dewey we are not spectators of a finished universe. Instead, we are participants of an unfinished universe. The spectator will look at the jet's week one dismelling of the lions and say, well that was a dumpster fire taking place inside of a rundown Kmart that happens to be inside an even larger dumpster fire. But the participant wouldn't settle for that. The participant would say, I will find the fantasy gem hidden inside this cesspool of embarrassment, shame, and incompetence. That fantasy gem is none other than Carrion Johnson, running back for the Detroit Lions. When the Lions coaching staff studies film from week one, they will see that the only time their offense was dynamic was when Carrion was on the field. Blunt was slow as stink, and with Riddick in the backfield, their offense became too predictable. In some past plays, Carrion seemed hesitant in starting his route, and he didn't get his head turned around quickly enough for Stafford to check down to him. But these issues can be quickly addressed with more reps at regular season game speed. In week two, Carrion will get a greater share of the snap count, and once he does, the search for this year's Kamara will be over. In closing, I would like to take this opportunity to thank a very important person or player in my life. For today's musings, I will thank Jared Cook. I understand, Mr. Cook, that you only pick one week per season to be good at football, and you chose week one in my starting lineup. Years from now, when my ATL Dynasty League mates are reflecting on when their life started to fall apart, they will look back to you, Mr. Cook. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Fantasy Philosopher out. Thanks again to the Fantasy Philosopher for his hot young stud of the week. Alright, so moving on, we're now coming up to Dynasty Week 1 Preview. First up, we have versus Team Gravelin. Coming in at quarterback, we have Jared Goff and Kirk Cousins versus Phillip Rivers and Andrew Luck. I think three of these quarterbacks are in situations where they won't have to do too much dependent, but the more likely people to uh, need some fantasy points will be Rivers and Luck. 
Or is Goff's just a uh, game manager, and I think the Vikings defense is going to handle pretty well. And both those teams will lean more on the run. So give me advantage, Phillip Rivers and Andrew Luck. Coming in at the running back position, we got Melvin Gordon and Dalvin Cook versus Peyton Barber and Philip Lindsay. Now, this is a clear-cut advantage. Uh, Melvin Gordon and Dalvin Cook, obviously, over the two other running backs. There's no question about it. Now, moving on to the receiver, we got Nelson Aguilar in a plus matchup versus... AJ, three touchdown green, and Mike Evans versus Devonta Adams. Now, AJ Green was clearly better than Aguilar, although Aguilar has a chance for upside. And after a three touchdown game, he was even better than I expected. So that already puts him in the hole a little bit. But either way, advantage AJ Green. As far as Devonta Adams and Mike Evans, although I think both are in the sim in a similar position, Adams is actually more likely to see a better shutdown corner, and Evan and or sorry, Adams is more likely to see a better shutdown corner, and Evans is probably gonna do a little more. And I'm gonna give the advantage to Evans on that, but the green advantage is way easier to predict or as far as how big it was over Aguilar even prior to three touchdowns. So I give a slight edge to the Green Adams side. Going on to tight end, George Kittle I think is going to be higher involved than Jack Doyle, although I think Doyle will probably actually see close to the same targets. They just won't be as valuable as targets. So give me Kittles and Bits all day long. And then for the speedy stretch receivers, I'm going to take T.Y. Hilton over Brandon Cooks. Uh, Cooks can have big blow-up games, but I think he's less needed to, and Hilton's going to be more involved, especially after seeing him get a six-yard touchdown in the red zone. That was great for uh, his fantasy outlook going forward. Uh, for the defenses, clearly we're going to go with Philly over Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee could actually have a very good one, but I don't believe in that Fitz magic and Philly's D is so dominant. I'm still going to lean with Philly over Tennessee. So no surprise here. Let's uh, give the win to Team Grablin even before the three touchdown performance by A.J. Green. Next up, we got Team Bye Week versus This Means War. Uh, Patrick Mahomes versus and Sam Darnold versus Aaron Rodgers and Derek Carr. Um, I think this is a pretty clear cut with Aaron Rodgers being banged up. They give me the Mahomes-Darnold side. Derek Carr is going to struggle over Denver, and so will Rodgers if he even plays. If Rodgers is out, then there's no other quarterback on the team that's going to be starting other than Phillip Rivers, who will also get destroyed. I mean, uh, Sam Bradford, who will also get destroyed. So advantage, team bye week. Next up, we got David Johnson and Joe Mixon versus Zeke and Elliott. I mean, Zeke Elliott and Todd Gurley. Um, although this is a powerhouse running back matchup, obviously we're going to go with last year's number one running back in a heads-up matchup versus David Johnson. Game script is not a problem, whereas David Johnson will see plenty of pass work, but he won't put enough on the ground to matter. And Zeke was ahead of Mixon 
prior to the okay performance as Baltimore's defense is tough, especially against the run, whereas Zeke will have his way with the Giants. So advantage, Gurley and Elliott. Uh, next up, we got Tyreek Hill and Stefan Diggs versus Allen Robinson and Quincy Anunua. As clear as it could be, we're going to give the advantage to Hill and Diggs. Hill is going to be in a huge, huge points total matchup, whereas A-Rob has the potential, but he's not as crucial to the offense, nor is he quite 100% from the looks of things. I think he's still getting his feet under him. And Diggs, although Anunua has more reason to get far more targets as far as projected uh, game script, Diggs is going to do far more with those targets and sign me up for another Diggs TD. Moving on to tight end, we got Jordan Reed, Rule 86 versus Zeus himself. This is actually a pretty tough one. Two high-scoring competitive games, two very talented pass-catching tight ends. It's kind of a Sophie's choice here. But I'm actually going to give the advantage to Jordan Reed. Kelsey kind of scared us a little bit with the lack of usage last week in a big-time game, and although the game script does favor him, there are so many mouths to feed in Kansas City that it's more likely Jordan Reed is going to get a lion's share of the work. And that indie defense is far less scary than Pittsburgh planning on taking away a weapon. Next up, we got Chris Thompson in Indy, or against Indy, versus what was Marquise Goodwin, but we can probably write in either Tariq Cohen or Mike Williams. Either way, Chris Thompson with that upside is going to be the big play. Mark Mike Williams, I think, has a good chance at a touchdown, but so does Thompson. And he is going to eat against that Indianapolis defense. And finally, we got a barn burner at tight end with Pittsburgh versus the Rams. Clear-cut advantage, Rams. Now, after uh, all that, even though they are not favored, the win is going to go to Chris' team bye week. Just with a hobbled Rodgers and potentially having to start Bradford and not expecting much out of Carr, There's just too much to overcome. He does have some high upside plays. He has the advantage at running back. But I think Chris is just going to handle it all the way from top to bottom with only his tight end being a little bit of weakness and what Joe Mixon put on. Uh, I did expect Mixon to be a little bit higher point total than he hit. So that just reaffirms my pick, even though he is projected to score less points. Minus that flex spot. We got Fear the Juice versus I've Got a Feeling. So starting off at quarterback, we got Drew Brees and Case Keenum versus Everyone Beats Mitch, Trubisky, and Maddie Snapback Stafford. So Brees and Stafford are pretty much a wash. I think Brees is a little safer. They have the same upside, though, and expected points are probably around the same. Uh, Case Keenum's the more likely to produce this week. Uh, Trubisky kind of showed us uh, we can't really trust him. So I'm going to give the advantage to Breeze and Keenum. Coming in at running back, we got 
Alvin Super Camario and Dion Lewis versus Lamar Miller and Austin Eckler. Uh, going for a super high upside, uh, super low floor glory play in Eckler. Uh, we definitely got to give the win to Lewis's guaranteed workload and Camara being better than Clay's two running backs combined. Uh, moving on to wide receiver, we got Antonio Brown and Larry Fitzgerald versus Jarvis Landry and Adam Thielen. So in the square up between Brown and Landry, Brown has a definite win, but I think Thielen is a lot safer bet for actual production than Fitz. Uh, Fitz really didn't do much anything the last time they played the Rams, and I think they're going to keep that going. So I actually give advantage to Landry and Thielen on that. Um, then we have a pair of showdown tight ends with Njoku and Watson. I'm going to call that one a wash. Both probably going to get used. I think Njoku probably has a higher uh, probability of a touchdown, but I can see Watson catching more passes. And then uh, moving over to the flex, we got Demarius Thomas versus OBJ. No contest, OBJ wins, but I think Demarius is going to turn in some good fantasy value against that weak uh, Oakland D. Uh, coming up next, we had Baltimore versus Chicago. Uh, I leaned Baltimore slightly in favor prior to the negative two points they actually put up. So, little wrong on that game. I think we all were. And uh, Chicago, we already kind of went over it, and the risk involved with them. They'll get some uh, points, but they'll also have a lot of stuff put up against them. So, uh, going through, even though Fear the Juice did not have the 26-6 that uh, Andy Dalton dropped on the uh, Ravens, we're going to give him the advantage prior to the game starting, and... Even though he got negative two points, although I like the receivers for Thielen, I think the running backs and the quarterbacks are just too strong to ignore, and I think he has a higher probability of getting a touchdown out of his tight end. So, put Fear the Juice down. Woohoo! Next up, we have the Americans going up against Jones and for some TDs. Uh, second game in for Jones and Force and TDs, and it's going to be a little bit rougher matchup than he had last week after putting down all them points. We got Alex Smith and Russell Wilson versus TB12 and Big Ben. Although I think Big Ben is the number one play this week, I'm going to give advantage to Smith and Wilson. I think Wilson will get his out of necessity. And I think Smith's a pretty safe bet, whereas I feel like Tom is going to struggle quite a bit. Uh, next up, we got Saquon Barkley and Kareem Hunt versus Fournette and Ajayi. So it looks like Fournette is not going to play, so our guess is that it's probably going to be either James Watt, or it'll probably be TJ Yeldon in his place. Uh, kind of probably wishes he put Alex Collins in, but if Fournette misses, I think that Yeldon's better than Collins, so, at least this week, so, that works out, but, uh, Fournette and Ajayi are no match for Saquon Barkley, although, uh, I've told you before, I think Ajayi's gonna have a good game with, uh, less weapons that he's fighting touches for, 
Uh, Yeldon and him just don't match up to Barkley and Hunt in positive matchups. Next up at wide receiver, we have Josh Gordon and tight end Devin Funches going up against Julio Jones and Golden Tate. Now, I don't know what kind of black magic the Americans were able to pull so that they could play three running backs and two tight ends, but he seemed to pull it off. So Gordon's got that big play-up ability and could take over a game, but we haven't seen it in a couple of years, so that's as good a guess as anyone on it. And I believe Devin Funches will end up uh, benefiting the most from Greg Olson being out. But he still has a real capped floor because, or ceiling because of the uh, tight ends that remain in Atlanta are still pretty decent. And they're not going to be able to compete with Julio Jones or Golden Tate in high-scoring affairs. So give me that Jones-Tate matchup. Next up, we got tight end Rob Gronkowski versus Zach Ertz. Finally, a clash of the Titans at tight end. Two high-end draft picks. And I'm actually going to go with the unexpected one, Zach Ertz. He has a much more favorable matchup. And although Gronk will get super hyper-targeted, I am a little worried about Jalen Ramsey still. And I'm not going to risk that. So I'm actually going to give advantage to Ertz, who's going to have some f high volume with uh, Sproles missing and Alshon still out. And finally, in the flex, we got Adrian Peterson and Emmanuel Sanders in a battle of dichotomy. Running back versus receiver. I do feel Adrian Peterson is primed for one more good week this week, but Sanders is king in Oakland out of the slot. I'm going to call this one pretty even, but if I had to put my money on it, I'd take the Sanders side. And then finally, Jacksonville versus Carolina. Give me that top-end Jacksonville D. You already know what I think of the New England Patriots this week. Even so, though, with the flex, the tight end, and the defense, and those receivers, it's going to be really, really tough to overcome those running back combos. But... Ooh, that's a tough one. I'm going to have to go with the Americans pulling into 1-1 one and one and handed Jones in for some TDs with their first loss. And finally, for your matchup of the week in the Dynasty League, we have Bill Belichick, puppet master, going toe-to-toe -to -toe with his arch-nemesis, the most evil of men, Axel with the friend cheeses. That's right, Battle of the Titans. The man that buys wins versus the man who's been disrespected. Coming in at the quarterback position, we're going to give the clear advantage to the friend cheeses as he is pulling in Cam Newton in a rivalry matchup and Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo in the matchup of the century versus the lowly, lowly Lions. Coming in for Puppet Masters, we have Deshaun Watson looking to redeem himself against a probably not as good as advertised Tennessee defense. 
And if he gets a healthy Will Fuller, that could turn it all around. The big question here is going to be Dak Prescott. Although he's shown that he is still human when Zeke's playing, I think that they just got off to a real slow start against a tough defense. And the Giants are going to let them uh, pretty much have their way because that's what Giants do is let you down. Coming in at running back, we have Jordan Howard and the free pretty much Tevin Coleman versus James Conner and Christian McCaffrey. Clear winner here with Conner and McCaffrey. I think that with Greg Olson gone and that weakened Atlanta defense, it's just what the doctor ordered, a little CMC. And then give me that Connor too. My goodness. He's going to walk all over the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, Coleman's going to get his a little bit, but he's got a much tougher matchup. And Jordan Howard, this game can really get away from him. So give me that CMC JC mix. Coming in at wide receiver, we have Michael Thomas and Marvin Jones versus DeAndre Hopkins and Keenan Allen. Now, there is enough upside on my side of things with Michael Thomas and Marv, but you can't really ignore what Nuke's done and what Allen's done as of uh, the last year. So we're going to give them the advantage. I think DeAndre Hopkins finds his footing, which does help my Deshaun Watson points. But Keenan Allen should do pretty well. The only way that they can maybe get taken out of the game a bit is if it gets out of hand too quick and their their points total is capped. Whereas I'm looking for a high-scoring affair against Cleveland and hoping Michael Thomas can repeat with another 30-point performance. Uh, as far as Marvin Jones, I think that it's still a question whether him or Galladay, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the vet. Although Galladay flashed last week, I think I'd rather take the uh, the big play potential in a shootout. And the player that I know has done it for more than the than the, essentially the second year guy who flashed in two or three games total. Uh, coming in at tight end, it's a little bit of a Sophie's choice between Kyle Rudolph and Evan Ingram, as they're both super disappointing. But at least Kyle Rudolph plays for a great team called Minnesota Vikings. So he's rolling him against Ricky Seals-Jones, looking to make a uh, statement after Jared Old Man Terminator Cook put up the biggest performance at tight end last week. Maybe this is just what the doctor ordered for Seals-Jones to get back on track. And then coming in flex, you got Kenyon Drake versus Juju Smith-Schuster. With Devonta Freeman out and Axel benefiting by that cheating way, and limited, limited, limited uh, options otherwise, I'm gonna go ahead and roll with Kenyon Drake. There is a chance I could throw an Alf in there, but as of now, it doesn't matter because Juju beats all. A star is born. He is rising, rising, rising as he lays down the best performance of any pass catcher on the Pittsburgh Steelers. You might think I'm crazy. Well, I am crazy like a fox. And coming in on defense, we got the Los Angeles going to get to play Buffalo Chargers versus Houston Texans. Now, although the Chargers have a sweet, sweet matchup against one of the worst offenses of all time, I think that Josh Allen actually brings a little bit to this table, and Chargers have been 
known in the past to give up big plays and make games closer than they need to be and lose games they shouldn't. So look for Chargers to stay on brand and make this a close one, not scoring nearly as many as they should. Whereas Houston's going to break the crap out of that elbow and finish Mariota off once and for all. The Rock style. That's right, Mariota's elbow's no match for the people's elbow. Is the combination of J.J. Watt, Jadavian Clowney, and Whitney Merciless are going to send him down, and down for the count he'll go. Now, I think this is actually going to be quite the heavy hitter match, but I'm going to actually lean picking against myself. The Frenchies is for the win. I have a track record of getting screwed over by last-minute trades or ads, and Tevin Coleman has got my name written all over his boot. Now, if Dak Prescott gives me a solid game and Watson does what he should do, I actually have a really good chance of winning, but I'm not betting on that. Give me those Cam Newton and Garoppolo points. Give me that Nuke and Allen points and Schuster. My gosh, this thing is stacked. With the exception of Rudolph and Coleman, there isn't a single piece that I'm not afraid of. So take it to the bank. This is a true David and Goliath story. I could still get that Aniston point, that sweet, sweet Aniston love. But you know what? This is going to be an uphill battle, and I think I'm, I'm up to the task. I'm going to get these players all whipped into shape. I'm talking Rocky-style montage. And with that, those are the Dynasty League Picks of the Week. So thanks for buckling in and uh, sticking with me on this journey. Hope this gets to everyone in time to uh, do what you will and change those matchups trying to get an edge. As always, I am Jason Seplick. You can find me at the FF Goonie on Twitter once again. And thanks for stopping by. Remember, Goonies never say die. There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. In this world appear and break the laws that they should fear and frighten all who see or hear the cry goes up both far and near for underdog, 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 speed of lightning, power of thunder, fighting all power of thunder, underdog. That's all, folks. <laughs>